I'm Gemma Cray. Welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. Indie Cork is a festival of independent film and music. It's taking place from the 6th to the 13th of October, and we're here with two filmmakers whose films are both screening at the festival. So, uh, welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. Um, I'm here with Kerry Costello. Um, so, your film, Nina, is going to be in Indie Cork. Mm-hmm, that's um, right. And I'm also here with Rachel Smith and her fabulous film Pit Stop is also going to be screening in a different short section. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're delighted to have you guys here. And I was wondering if you could give us um, just an intro, a little bit of a description about what your film is about. So Nina is, so it's about this woman, Sarah, who returns to a house and she's packing up the house. It's not immediately obvious why, but then as the film progresses, there's uh, some memories that start kind of coming back and the film gets um, sort of increasingly dramatic. Yes, and no spoilers. No spoilers. But um, very interesting use of effects and tone and and yeah, it's, it's actually hard to describe without, yeah. <laughs> without giving away any spoilers. But... Yeah, and it, it does something in a very clever way, but also has a lovely um, kind of visual hint. There's a lot of, and you're this is in the description, so I'm going yeah. to this, the origami yeah. plays a big part as yeah. well. So it's the, the, like, there's nice visuals in there. And, yeah, and effects we tried and, to have the origami be sort of a motif throughout. So that is kind of, we talk about that and not that there's like huge spoilers in the film, but we talk about that in our trailer and in our description um, that the origami is kind of there from the start and then becomes more relevant towards the end um, and I guess the visual stuff you're talking about yeah there's there's a lot there's kind of a, another motif which is sort of like a video camera like old-fashioned like high eight stuff and we sort of we wanted to show that progress not just within the film but sort of have the film itself be affected by that so yeah that increases along with the narrative yeah, that there's like a disjointed feeling of of as the the character goes through that emotional journey. Yeah, yeah. On the film, so very very interesting. And we're just going to listen to a clip now. <sighs> okay, let's do this. And you wrote and directed with your writing partner? Yeah, that's right. Uh, So Julian, he's going to hate how I say his name. Uh, So Julian is uh, uh, my creative partner. So we wrote and directed this together. Um, We had done another film together, but that was like polar opposite to Nina. Um, We had done an animated short, which was for children, um, which we also wrote and directed together. And so then we decided, yeah, we both wanted to do live action, really. So, um, yeah, he, he kind of had the, the seed of this idea. And then the way we work is develop it together, kind of like several versions of script back and forth. And then, yeah, got it to a point where we were happy and got people on board to film it and, yeah, directed together. Excellent. And uh, Rachel Smith, can you tell me a little bit about Pit Stop? Uh, yeah, so Pit Stop was actually... Um, a grad film for DIT. Um, it was one of our graduate films and it basically tells the story of uh, the character's name is Searshap. That's don't really hear their names in the film, but um she it starts with her basically on the run from an abusive relationship and um she hits a few bumps along the way and 
in the end her faith kind of lies in the hands of a stranger and good there's there's great tension throughout you really mm. play like it, it has nods to horror films as well like yeah kind of um we kind of uh researched on you know building tension in scenes and like how different cuts back and forth and like staying within an enclosed space can build that tension because it's not very dialogue heavy and i didn't want it to be dialogue heavy so um it was really on the down to the editing and the cinematography on how we kind of attempted to build tension anyway yeah no it was very very tense and here's a clip from pit stop Taking the piss. And you, um, your background would have been, would you have kind of been leaning to more towards uh, doing DOP work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually was really apprehensive about directing because I want to be a cinematographer. That's at least what I entered final year with in mind, you know, because we kind of specialize in college. And um, as part of our final assignment, everyone in the class has to write a script and then they get shortlisted. And mine ended up being shortlisted and I was kind of like, okay, I guess I'm going to direct and here we go. And I actually really loved it. So um, definitely a balance between directing and DPing now for me. Great. I was going to say most DPs end up sort of directing at some point. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't do both. By accident sometimes <laughs> yeah. they generally can take over projects. It's not unheard of. It um, happens. Yeah. <laughs> So um, can you guys tell me a little bit about the casting process for both of these films? So they're both um, strong female driven works. There's, you know, there, there's a strong element of drama in both. How did you guys um, find your uh, leads? Um, well, we were quite limited in the sense that we were very low budget and um, we couldn't really pay our actors. We could only kind of offer, you know, expenses and stuff. So we didn't hold auditions. We kind of just search through agencies and we're looking for the perfect people to offer the part to. Um, and then for the main uh, character, uh, Juliette Crosby plays uh, Saoirse and we found her, I can't remember the agency she was with now. It was like this time last year, but, um, and you know, we asked her if she'd be interested. We sent out the scripts and they came back, said they were interested. So we met with them and kind of just did a read through and got a feel for the character and kind of had a discussion about the character then and even like in that process you kind of learn things from the actors on what the character could be or like sometimes you are making last minute changes to suit the character because she was so um you know she had such a good energy about her that it definitely influenced the writing of the character and everything like that so i just wanted to say as well when i watched your short film I didn't even realize it wasn't funded. I didn't know anything. I watched the films first and then I did my research afterwards. And when the TU Dublin logo came up at the end, I was like, what? That's a student film? Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't twig it from the performances, the mm. locations are really kind of put together, the production yeah. design. Thank you. <laughs> I, I even felt like it had a slight retro feel as well, which. Oh, it's actually set. I, it was supposed to be set late 70s, early yeah. 80s, but we didn't pick a specific time because we didn't want to get caught out, you know, on some random, <laughs> you know, thing being wrong. So we were kind of like, we'll just make it that vibe. That's <laughs> not easy to do on a low budget like that. So I was surprised mm. when that logo yeah. popped up going on. Well, oh, thanks. Yeah. 
So we delighted. What what's been the life of the the film so far? Um, it's being received really well. Um, I suppose like we were filming it that like this time last year or October, so it kind of feels like a distant memory now because we've made films um since then in the second half of the term and the fact that it's kind of come back around for festival season. Um, it's in four festivals at the moment, so it's in Indie Cork. Uh, it was shown at the Underground film festival it's in dublin international short film and music video festival and um we just found out yesterday it got into the richard harris international film festival yeah so it's just really um encouraging because it's kind of that we're all of us who worked on the film are in that kind of post-college limbo where we don't know what we're doing um so it's nice to have a bit of encouragement from festivals and nice words about our films (laughs) and um carrie you're casting how did you find our your lead for Nina? Yeah, so we actually we did hold auditions. We basically just put out uh, casting. She did a lot to carry. She on her did. Own, yeah, I guess what's sort of unusual about Nina is that, like, there technically is two characters and there actually is two actors, but the main actress uh, who's played my name Sweeney, she yeah, like she does have to kind of carry it, and she doesn't even really have anyone to bounce off. Mm. So we knew that could be pretty intense for someone. There's also quite a lot of like emotional acting in it. So we were like, well, we're going to have to get someone who's like really able to, you know, give it everything and also able to do this without acting off someone and then also deal with having just crew and no other actors, which mm. kind of a, a weird thing when you're on set, I think. So yeah, we held some, we held, we put out a casting call and weirdly we got loads of we got loads of interest from people we were kind of shocked about that um, just because like yourself I guess we're like super low budget and um, yeah we couldn't really offer much but um, Neve came in I'd seen a tape just on, on a website that she's on I'd seen a tape from her and I was like oh that person is amazing like really really good but you know it's always good to see someone in the room and she came in I think she was actually the first audition of the day so and I'd never done auditions before I don't think Julian had and um, so we were kind of doing all the wrong things with her whereas I think as the day went on we were kind of figuring it you know getting into the swing of things but um, she just came in and nailed it and then we wanted to get um, the character of Nina who's like the name of the film but has a lot less to do in it and um, we kind of wanted them to have chemistry just because we actually did this whole thing where we went on like did photos with them. Her dialogue is very well written yeah. as well. Like yeah. we're, we were listening to that and you're like, oh, I've lived with that person. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted that kind of chemistry and like, um, yeah, there's all these photos around the house that you unfortunately don't see in the film, but like, and then there's footage of the two of them and stuff, like just loads of stuff that we shot that didn't end up. Um, But yeah, luckily they really hit it off and they work well together, I think. So yeah, that's Fiona, Lucia and McGarry that plays um, Nia. And what's it like uh, directing in a pair, actually? Because it's quite an interesting dynamic. <laughs> if there's disagreements on set, is yeah. it fight to the death? or? Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have any major fights <laughs> or minor. Um, we we have a really good working dynamic, I think, in that we prep a lot. Like we kind of, at the moment, Julian and myself are both working in animation. So we come from this uh, environment of like just you have everything ready for it like that's the way you work in animation so much preparation we basically shot like the, a version of the film when we went down into directly with our DOP 
so that we kind of had a lot of the questions already in our head for when we were down on set because obviously when you're there you've got questions coming from all sorts of people like where does this go and what should someone be doing here so we kind of knew a lot of that stuff but then also we just have this this um sort of not mantra but the sort of like belief that whoever feels strongest about something usually wins so like we would often agree on things but if we disagree it's the person who's like no no no, i really feel this and then if the other person's like oh well okay then you get this but it hasn't yet happened where someone's like i really want this and then the other one's like no i really want the other way so luckily we're not that hasn't happened yet (laughs) that's a that's actually a very good agreement i think i think when you have a good relationship with somebody and you know somebody very well you understand where they're coming when it comes to creative choices yeah so that yeah. it's great it's it, that yeah. must be nice as well to have someone to bounce oh my god stuff yeah. off yeah. as well yeah. it's like i actually think it must be really hard to direct alone just because it's just kind of a relief thing to have someone there yeah well i definitely have to the my best friend olivia she olivia mclaughlin she produced the film and if if, if she wasn't there i definitely wouldn't have achieved anything like yeah. she's just and she's we just get each other like the same thing. It's kind of that's great. We can call each other out on stuff, but also, you, it's the kind of person you can ring and be like, "Wait, I don't know if this is gonna work," and they'll be like, "I will. It's fine." Yeah, yeah. You know, so oh, that's the other thing. Like, you don't. Nobody makes a film alone. Like oh, nobody. Absolutely. Like just because yeah. you're the director does not mean you're the one that's actually calling the shot. So I think, mm. like, yeah, sometimes it's a producer, or yeah. it could be your DOP, or it could be whoever. Or sometimes it's just the weather, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but half yeah. of half of filmmaking is troubleshooting. Yeah, and like, and you're, I'd say Olivia knows this well because it's always the producer yeah. that mm. has to kind of sort mm. out the majority of problems, and yeah. it's the director who sorts out the creative problems. Yeah, and yeah. there's always stuff that goes wrong. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't supposed to rain for my film. Uh, you can see it's raining heavily in the outdoor scenes, but we just kind of bought about bought all of the golf umbrellas from the two-year-old shop and we're like okay let's do this yeah. we only have three days to shoot this so yeah you know and actually it's a to. really cool location that the side yeah. of the road believe it or not that's actually uh in fox rock what? <laughs> yeah i know i just know someone who lives on that road and you literally turn off a main road and you're suddenly in rural ireland oh, or wow. something i know Completely. and then Very there's lucky. this really fun like very vintage like and even the cash register again like I'm just really surprised with this yeah uh, one of the guys Kyle he just had that in his attic it's so much about just like literally scrambling for anything and everything you can get for free kind of like actually a couple of people had cash registers just lying around it was really weird like we had some what circles do you roll in (laughs) like hipsters I'd say I don't know but um yeah so we were actually okay for a lot of the like retro props and stuff and the production designer Emma she's incredible she just pulls things out of nowhere you know mm. what I mean um so she did a fantastic job on all of that but um the location of the garage we were lucky once again because it was just down the road for me and the owner Eamon Walsh he has a love for vintage things and he hasn't changed that garage since he opened it in like 1983 and so I'd say you have art department people going, I'm going to write this down. Yeah. That's very <laughs> convenient. And they have out parking outside. Okay, yeah, done. And, and the back. Yeah. But um, he, yeah, and he had a love, like he had this storage shed at the back of the garage just filled with old stuff for cars. Like, you know, there's a, 
I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but one like petrol cans and like uh, old vintage uh, like gasoline signs and stuff. And I saw the SO petrol can. I was very impressed yeah. with that. I was like, God, I forgot about that. He had about 17 yeah. of those just yeah. in the back like of the garage. And we just approached him and we're like, we absolutely are in love with this garage. And he actually, I think an episode of Red Rock had shot there before. So he was like all for it. He was like, oh. yeah, absolutely. Like, please use it. Like, it doesn't get much use anymore. So Brilliant. we owe him our lives. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I was wondering when I watched your film, actually, was it when you wrote it, was it set in the 70s? Or did you see all these props and then you were like, oh, we have to set it in the 70s. This is amazing. No, I wrote it for like late 70s um, purely because I would like love the aesthetic. And I kind of, well, like the 70s in Ireland was very much like second wave. Of feminism kind mm. of and um I kind of always just imagined the I'm character sure rape and marriage was still yeah legal like <laughs> yeah exactly oh, what, a, what a place we live um, in and contraception yeah. wasn't so like it it was insane but um you know what I mean and I kind of thought about a young woman growing up in that time and obviously there would have been a lot of like change socially and like being exposed to like new ideas at the time and I kind of loved the idea of it being set then of her kind of deciding it was her moment to take her life back into her own hands and um so I was adamant about it being set in that time and my lectures were kind of like are you sure you don't want to go modern day and I was like no <laughs> we'll do it we'll do it somehow so but yeah yeah you know it's kind of at least it has a vintage vibe so yeah that's excellent <laughs> and it's very kind of stylish and you were saying that you do um carry loads of prep beforehand you would you guys both be big into storyboarding and oh yeah, yeah. and kind of like and obviously like a, a recce and and i think as well when your resources are relatively limited it's hard to do that but i suppose you also have to be very um what's the word careful with mm. your time and people's yeah. time as well because you're trying to get the most out of that like what what yeah. you, you would write up the script break it down what would be your preference? yeah so we we only had it was two two days and then like the morning of the next day so like a little over two days so we kind of knew there wasn't much room for mistakes and we also but we wanted to get like the shots that we wanted so we kind of thought well we need to we need to prep in advance to see what'll work um so yeah we wrote the script and uh julian is an editor so he was also very keen on like having his timeline laid out already with like you know, a version of it. So we went down, did a recce with our DOP, um, Raja, and we basically just, between photographs, um, I don't think we, we had sketches initially where we kind of did a storyboard, but then I think that all got replaced with photographs and with just like video footage and like tests that we had done with Raja, which was also a really good um, chance for him to do, you know, lighting tests and just frame up some things. We also were, had initially planned to do a big VFX shot at the end <laughs> so there was a test for that um, but like it was just such an amazing thing to have that prepped for us like I think Raja was saying the same like he knew then when we went down for the actual shoot what he could expect even just the small thing of like the lay of the the location because our location was down in Tipperary so we were all travelling down um, but it was just I think I would always do that much prep like we did so much pre- pre-production on this and I would always do that again if I could 
and you're saying your background you the animation that you guys did together and he's an editor yeah you're in post as well isn't it yeah, yeah. I work in post-production so at the moment I'm supervising on post-production in animation company that's great and do you work up loads of favours that you call them back when it's your you know you stay late and then you're like oh but can you help me on my film uh, no I wish but we did have like we, we called in a lot of favours um, from friends and stuff like I mean pretty much everyone on this film uh, worked for free and you know my partner worked on it um, we had friends we had family like getting us props and like finding stuff I guess kind of like you with the props mm. like uh, my partner's mom is a nurse so she was like oh I'll get you the medical wristband and like um, and yeah like luckily we have pals who work like our friend Emmett did the online did the, the grade um, and I liked the product placement of the long gaze back Oh yeah. yeah, I was like, yes, yeah, good yeah. taste of books. You'll uh, actually all those books are um, are I think all of them might be f- Irish female authors. That was Hannah who did that. So Hannah is um, Julian's partner, and she acted as our set designer. And those are all her books that she brought down. Mm-hmm. She was also um, I think seven months pregnant when we were shooting. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, God, like, there's enough going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved the set of your film. Like, it was kind of had a retro aesthetic to it. Yeah. Did you, like, pla- like, was a lot of the furniture already there? Or did you kind of dress it? Yeah, so actually, weirdly, the film, this is not maybe how most people conceive of a film, but um, the reason that we wrote this film is, that location is Julian friend Trina's family's house and he had been there just on like you know I don't know weekends away and he was like this location is so weird and so old-fashioned it would be perfect for a film and he just kept saying this to me and then he was showing me photos and I was like oh my god and that couch that and orange couch I love and that the, couch the, so the much. tape it was the vintage feel as well because yeah. I remember going oh when is this and I was like no no I don't think it is but it because yeah. obviously those books are there that I, yeah. that I know but it's only if you know those books that you yeah. know that when they were from as well but well we had initially kind of thought because like we were like let's give it sort of not a timeless feel but let's not lock it in any um you'll have someone use a specific iphone or exactly but then unfortunately we had you know we couldn't find a car that was from whatever that we were like well we'll use what we have so um but we still liked the idea of keeping the vintage tapes and that in what did the notes say did you guys have something in mind that you thought, or were you just like, it's a sad yeah. note? We, um, that note, actually, I wrote those notes and I folded the, I don't know how many swans I made for this film. <laughs> um, so the note at the end of the film, which is an emotional moment. Yeah. Um, so there was yeah. four versions of it, um, just because I was like, well, we'll need it, maybe five, at least five takes, because it's like she's crying and stuff. Um, and they're all slightly different. But I can't remember what exactly they said, but I should root them out. But I do know that we finished that night shooting. It was a 17-hour day for me and Jules. And we finished at like midnight or something, which is a lot to ask of people. But we also needed to shoot late because it was dark and stuff. And um, I remember Trina, who was um script supervisor, was sitting behind me. And she, I don't know if it was the tiredness or the note, but she read it and she was just like crying. Aww. She's like, oh my God, Gary, this is beautiful. <laughs> and you were saying that there's loads of the swans because I thought that. I was like, how did you get all the swans I was to go into one little it. area? Yeah, I was like, yeah. how do you, how many takes did you have? Because they really seem to go specifically in, yeah. in one yeah. shot. That was hard. I would strongly advise people against filming on a lake. 
Um, we were down there, it was Paddy's weekend, and we just kept getting reports that there was going to be small storms, and we were like, okay. So initially we kind of thought we'd do some sort of like VFX shot of these origami on the lake, and then we realised that wasn't feasible. Um, I was always in favour of doing practical, but then the wind was not playing, and we had just mm. had all these ideas about how we could make them float. Um, and then in the end, the lake that you see them on is actually a puddle in a field. <laughs> no way! Yeah, sneaky. Yeah, so we were we were dri- like we were like the lake's not working. Like it was so it was so wavy. Um, so we were driving by with our producer, me and Julian, going down to the location of the house one day, and I saw this like flooded field, and I was like, oh maybe that'll work. And I think John, our producer, just thought we were nuts. And they were like, no, I think we need to use it. So then him and Lauren went up to the people who live beside it and just knocked on the door and we were like, do you mind if we film your flooded lake? And they were like, okay. <laughs> the magic of film. Yeah. It worked so well, though. I loved the last shot. Like, I was, like it really stuck out as well. And then the colour of them and everything. Yeah. Those ones, I was like, wow. And yeah, it ties it together mm. very, very nicely. Like, there's, it's that theme that runs through it. And yeah. as a kind of visual metaphor, it really works well. And it's a puddle. <laughs> and it's a puddle, yeah. A deep puddle, but a puddle nonetheless. Deep. <laughs> I was going to say as well, you've good kind of both good strong feminist themes. You have like um, female friendship is, is an important mm. thing. And you also have um, the escape from terrible male dominance. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were they kind of conscious decisions when you guys wanted to go into making a short or was it just stories that you were drawn to or what was your inspiration actually in writing it? Um, for Nina, yeah, we had always thought that it would be a female character. I think a lot of the time when people are writing films, um, you know, the default is male yeah. um, and the default is straight and the default is white. Um and I just think if you can tell a story, and you always pretty much can, um, that is not one of those things, then you owe it to people that you should. And especially for me, this is quite like you know personal that female and queer people should get more screen time. And um, so yeah, that was a conscious decision. Like the film is not inherently female; it's not inherently queer. But we made that conscious decision to just make those characters be both those things. Um, and I think that's really important. And yeah, yeah that that's why we did it. <laughs> Excellent. No, it is. And it is really important to have representation. And I do think it's something that it wasn't even a discussion that was had a little while ago, but it, it like a, it's good the way things are changing. Yeah, definitely. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose the idea behind writing mine, it was kind of, I guess I naturally just always imagine a female protagonist mainly because I am female and you kind of there is always a bit of yourself in films even if it's something you kind of want to take from a film that you write or a story um, and for me it was more maybe attempt at convincing myself about the, kind of the relationship between vulnerability and courage because I think people when they sense fear in themselves or when they are when they're scared to do something or take a leap or you know change their life they kind of mistake that fear for that they shouldn't but it's kind of you know it's kind of about being afraid and doing it anyway you know like 30 seconds of confidence could be the best 30 seconds of your life you know um and obviously i touched on the issue of you know domestic abuse because i just think like it is 
something that needs to be highlighted. It still happens. It definitely happened in the 70s in Ireland. And I kind of thought it tied into women's rights and the whole kind of feminist movement. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And what I loved about both uh, the writing in both of these was there was so much that wasn't explicitly said. Like we were left to, as the audience, to, to, to pick up on a lot and make decisions ourselves about what things were. And like, it, I'd say as a filmmaker, it's hard to, to let that be when you have such a strong idea of, and you obviously do have, both of you, mm. have such a strong idea of the characters and their background and things. Was there anything that um, we that you would like to have included if you had more time with the characters or that was important to their story that isn't necessarily said without obviously giving spoilers away? Um, no, I think there is a moment in Nina when the main character reads a note and it's sort of a pivotal part of the film. Um, and obviously the tendency would be there to show what it says and, and show that. But Neve, who plays Sarah, just I think she says so much in her acting and in her face in that moment that it's almost better like it's subtle you don't know exactly what's happening but I think or I hope as a viewer you still get the message even if you're not seeing exactly the words um having said that myself and Julian have decided our next film will have a lot more dialogue <laughs> um because this film and our animated film Pins and Needles both well, the other one actually had no dialogue, so we're deciding, we're challenging ourselves. I, 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 there was dialogue. <laughs> yeah, there and is. And there was yeah. that kind of, and it was it was very clever. Again, I don't really want to say too much, whatever, yeah. but it was just, it was clever the way it was used yeah. as well. And, and yeah. it was very naturalistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was That was fun to cut together. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get the timing right with the, with the way we have our actors. Or our characters talking, yeah, 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 because there is reacting there too. Like so, yeah, yeah. I I could see why that would be difficult. Yeah, and that's all on Neve, um, trying to do that in real time. <laughs> so. And did you have somebody on set reading out the lines? We did not. We um, what we had is we had sort of a, a very loosely, not really edited together. So we'd recorded some diet diet. Well monologue and voiceover um, in advance of the main shoot and we had that on set with us and we would play it for Neve, and then we'd kind of asked her what she preferred like did she want to play it and she would act against it or did she want to play it just memorize it and then do her own timing because we were going to cut around it anyway and that's what she went with she would just listen to it kind of remember it which I don't know how she did that but she remembered every beat and then would kind of act towards that and that also gave us the freedom then to to cut in a way that made most sense, you know, because we didn't know what would need more room or what would be too long. Or, yeah. Um, I think I'm the same. I kind of like opening, like the opening of the film in the sense that it's kind of the way that a lot of people in the public learn about things. It's that sudden realization of, oh, you know, something's going on behind closed doors, but you don't necessarily see it. And I didn't want it to be the the kind of, abuse or the way she got because she, the film opens and she has a black eye I didn't want that to be the topic or the dramatic part of the film because then it's kind of being open to being the severity of it is open to being judged and like I kind of no but matter it, what it is it isn't is, even clear when you first watch it 
Yeah. That is 100% what it is. There's like mm. the kind of mystery is unraveled as we see a little bit more, which is, is really good. It's a, it's an mm. interesting hook as well because it's like less is more. And you're yeah, kind of reeled into that that tension in a, in a very clever way. Mm. And it's kind of, my I'd say my favourite moment is when, you know, she looks in the rearview mirror and it's that kind of, you uh, Juliet's so good at acting with subtleties that you can see in her eyes it's the decision of am I going to do this can I keep going okay I will and puts on her glasses and then she's ready to go but even in the garage when she's interacting with the younger character um, there is that kind of uncertainty between them she's like I have a gut feeling that something's wrong I'm not sure you know and it's kind of playing into that trusting your gut and then again courage and vulnerability and all that (laughs) Awesome. So thanks so much for chatting with us. And just one more time, where can we see your film and where can people track it? So do you guys have a Facebook page or anything that you'd like to plug? Um, so Pit Stop is going to be at Indie Cork on the 12th of October, Saturday, and it's part of short program four. And do you, um, you, are you do, you definitely have a Facebook page. Yeah, we have a Facebook page. Um, I think it's Pit Stop short film or else just Pit Stop. And we... You know, I post updates on Twitter or Instagram as well, which is at Rachel Smithy. Um, Nina is showing at Indie Cork on Sunday, the 13th of October at 11.30 in the morning as part of Programme 6. And you can reach myself and Julian, who's my co-director, on colopictures.com. That's just what we call our duo. I think that's our handle on Instagram and Twitter as well, where we're posting updates uh, about Nina. Excellent. So thanks so much for chelling with us. Thanks for Enjoy your festival. Thank you. Bye.